Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Cagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite for a chat about skate trivia and violet skateboards. But first, a little PSA. On November 10th, Patrick will be skating from Venice to Dogtown in Santa Monica and back to raise money for the Hailed Hunter Foundation as part of their 14th annual bridge run. Details and a donation link will be in the show notes. This Sunday, November 7th, friend of the show Gordon Eckler is releasing his skate trivia game into the world. So we had to get Gordon on the show and quiz him on some skate nerdery. So Gordon, first off, tell us about skate trivia. Uh, Skate trivia is a uh, pocket-sized printed game that was published by Ginkgo Press. Uh, It's a project I started a really, really long time ago. We've been friends for a long time, and I know that this project has been going on for a long time, and it it went through a bunch of kind of ideas. At one point, I think it was going to be an app or something. So how did did you settle on a card game as the final form factor for for Skate Trivia? Okay, yeah. So in like 2010, I was actively trying to make it into an app. And I was meeting with companies and we were trying to find a way to put it out for free and paid for by advertisers. And then I I just wasn't able to get it up off the ground. At that point, I've been writing trivia questions just on the side for probably 10 years at that point, maybe, maybe 10 years plus. So then I I ended up, it ended up in a box and just wasn't really going anywhere. And then I went into the world of working as a full-time graphic designer and then an art director. And in 2020, when I decided to break away from my full-time job and start my own design studio, which I, I started in 2020 called Plat Again. Part of me leaving and going out on my own in my original business plan, I was like, I want to figure out what to do with the skate trivia. So I started doing research into uh, publishers because like, maybe I'll just publish it as a book. And Ginkgo was actually my, my first choice because I just looked at my bookshelf and I already had so so, so like so much content that was already published by Ginkgo about skateboarding. So I saw on their website that they took unsolicited proposals. So you didn't need to have like a agent to be able to send a proposal or, or request one. So I put it together. I designed like 15 pages of what could be a book. And I pitched it to them along with, you know, a bit of a history of me and just like how long I've been working on it. Just some like rando facts. And to my shock, they actually got back to me in record time. It only took like three, I think like three days. And the guy that runs uh, the publisher called me himself. And he said, we, we want to talk. Like, we really were excited about this idea. We really want to do it. But what would you think about it being a card game? I said, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm down. I just wanted like, it, I, there's a f- few things about it that are really important to me. And one being that it's got to be travel size. I don't want to do some big like like a big heavy thing that you have to be over at your friend's house and like all sit around a table because skateboarders just don't do that. That's not going to happen. Like I want it to be something you could throw in your backpack and take on a road trip, you know, like that's possible. He's like, so then it was their idea that we make it pretty much pocket size and we put out about 250 questions at a time. Uh, so the box is, or what comes inside a box and it comes with a booklet, 50 cards, and, uh, and, and we had a little bit of money left over, so we included a sticker too. And uh, on, the two, on the 50 cards, we were able to get 250 questions. So each volume will have 250 on it. Nice. Uh, that should keep people busy on uh, their next skate trip. Absolutely. Thinking about that portability, what's the kind of situation? Would it be hanging out after a session in the van? What are some other times that a bunch of skaters could get together and do this trivia game and really like get into it? When I was putting it together, I was envisioning just a bunch of skate rats hanging out at a skate shop because we've all been there. I've been in 15 passenger vans filled with dudes. We're just killing time going state to state. I've been in skate houses where it was raining outside. We were just kicking it. And uh, so there, there's numerous times because there isn't like a start or a finish. There isn't a, there, you're, there's no point system. It's just trivia that you can just like test your friends on. And I've sent out a few copies of the game because I, I got a small pile of copies uh, that I haven't got my full shipment yet, but I, I got a small air freighted uh, bundle that I sent some out to some friends. And already people have been kind of sending it to me where like, like one person already took it on a, a trip where he was just going on a short trip. And then others, they're just like at work with their friends or yeah, just, just whenever, you know, like, whenever you're killing time and you're just with some friends, like uh, it's, 
It's just, it really, like, it was just something to kill time. And, and actually that goes to the, the reason why we started working on it in the first place, which was back in the late nineties, we were driving from Maryland up to Southern Pennsylvania a lot because skate parks back then were pretty, they were pretty far, the distance between each other. And we would go all the way up to Lancaster and skate at Spunk. And then after Spunk, either closed or moved, um, there was another park up there called Moore. And me, we'd always just load a car. Everybody would throw down $5 in gas. And then we would just go and like whoever had a car that seemed like it would make it there and back. And me and my really, really good friend at the time, Brian Ball, we were just trying to kill time in the car because it was two hours there, two hours back. So we got a four-hour car ride just so we could skate because it was either really cold or raining or we just wanted to skate a good mirror in. And uh, so we're trying to kill time. So what he started doing, is, and I believe Brian started doing it first, he started coming up with skate trivia questions in his head and he was we were writing them down in these spiral notebooks. So then I started doing it too just so I could go toe-to-toe with him. And then after, I don't know, probably a whole winter of doing that, that's when we, the very first time we thought about because I had this spiral notebook and it had, you know, some of the questions suck, but some of them were actually pretty good. So that was the first time we actually started working on actually writing skate trivia questions. And that was probably like 1998. So this probably. has been a, a long time in the making. And I got to ask about uh, sourcing for those questions, because uh, especially in the 90s, where there was a lot of changes in the industry, but however, news traveled slower than it does now. An example of this being that 411 grapevine where you've got Keenan Milton skating the HP rail and Sal Barbier says, Keenan Milton is on plan B. Now, is that something like, how did you source the questions in such a way that you could anticipate some of those discrepancies or, cause I imagine that there's some questions here that, you know, they, maybe they won't start a fight, but somebody might just throw the whole deck in the air out of frustration. Right. Well, I've, I've always been prepared for the backlash from any skate group of skateboarders, right? Because if they're going to hate, they're going to hate. But you said something pretty important, which was that like information was a lot harder to come by in the late nineties, right? Like the internet existed, but there really wasn't much on it about skateboarding. And as far as books and documentaries, there was virtually nothing. So that's why it was such a slow grind for a long time because I was writing stuff based on like videos I had or mags I had, but it wasn't until I moved to San Francisco in 2004 and I started to meet people because I was writing for companies at the time and I started to meet photographers and meet other team writers. So I would start asking them stuff just, you know, I'm just making a conversation, but I was also taking notes the whole time, like literally taking notes. And I, so I started to hear these like stories, like I would go shoot photos with Bryce Knights. I ended up around like all the deluxe team riders numerous times. And, you know, we were just, we would just be shooting the shit. So I picked up a lot that way. And then come the 2000s, and it was just like an absolute rain of documentaries, one after another, the Hasoi documentary, the Gator documentary, the, you know, I mean, this, there was, there was, they were just one after another. And then now with different blogs, podcasts, this being one of them, you know, I, you know, it, it's never been easier to write content, uh, at least trivia. And then when I first started, probably for the first like five or six years, actually, actually maybe like 10, like the first like 10 years I was writing content, I, I set myself a standard that I wanted. Uh, it had to have been either in a video or in, in publication of some kind for it to be a question that I could use. Like I would hear a story from somebody and like, that's great, but like no one would ever know that. And then I changed my thinking on that completely. And now, as long as it's definitely true, I, I can make a question about it. Because if it's like, if it's really, really hard, but it's really good, it's just good trivia, I'll just make it multiple choice. Because it's, I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with some of them being like expert level hard. Definitely when they're, it, some of them are just funny or just too good to pass up. Biggest wow factor piece of trivia that you sourced? Do you consider this a giveaway like what's something you're just like dang i didn't even know that okay so i got into i was introduced to ed templeton via email from mark whiteley and i was emailing with ed and ed gave me like numerous things that were unbelievably good so good where i was like ed are you sure i can make a question about this and he was like no you actually that, that's not for publication and i was like dude you're, you're, so you're telling me stuff like, and he's like, yeah, sorry about that. You, you can't say that. 
So I actually have a list of things where they're really good, but I can't use them. I can't say them. And then uh, wow factor there. I mean, there's definitely numerous things about skate history that are, they're going to bump somebody out like on one side of the fence or the other, whether it is like the photographer that was, did something messed up or the skater that's pissed that about it or whatever, like there's, there's always something. So I, I, I kind of pick my battles on those and say like, is it, is it really worth having it in? And then now that I'm I, each volume only has 250 questions, like now I can be much more cheesy and I can whittle it down to uh, uh, the final 250 of the next volume. And then I either push it out for a later volume or I, I may end up never even using it. Uh, uh, Gordon, there are um, several places around the country, probably around the world, do skate trivia nights at mm-hmm. bars, you know, bar trivia mm-hmm. with a skate theme. Did you ever go down that road or play MC bar trivia or think about, you know, doing a skate trivia night somewhere? Um, I actually had a conversation. I don't even know if they remember, but I had filmed numerous times with uh, Laban and Ted when they had different fuel shows. Right. And I had a conversation with them because I was on their show, actually numerous shows of theirs a few times. And we had kind of like pitched around the idea of uh, incorporating skate trivia somehow. But at that time, I was like, well, if I can get this app out, we'll see. So since it wasn't, it didn't really become like an actual product or something I could actually show to people and be like, hey, look, I actually I finally made this thing until just recently. But I did look into the like the legal um, behind calling it skate trivia. And, and I was like, oh, for sure. There's like there's different there's different bar nights. There's different uh, there, there's just there's just a lot behind skate trivia. And I follow all of them. Like there's a lot of them that are like just straight up just um, Instagram handles. And then there's some that are bar nights. The one, the big bar night that I actually always see posted, I think it's in Brooklyn, which I've I've only been to Brooklyn one time and I was there for like two days. So I'm clearly not like popping in for that. But yeah, I I follow all of them. But really I was like, look, if I put out these, this deck and I, I keep putting out these decks of cards, they could just use the questions at those things if they wanted to really, at least that's the way I thought about it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what are the rules? Like, how does someone win skate trivia? So there, oh, so there is no there. Is, yeah, there is no win. Um, there is a rules card that comes with it, but the rules are like basically these are suggestions we have for you. Right. Or one thing that kind of made its way in from when I was doing the uh, the skate the, the app is when I was doing the app, I looked at other trivia games, or when I was attempting to make one. Uh, I looked at other trivia games and the things that really bugged me were that there was like a timer and it was always very prevalent and it's like ting down on you and you only have 10 seconds to come up with the answer for this. When that isn't really how we played when we originally started, like I'm going to read a question in the car. We're really doing it just to kill time. And you got, you can take 10 minutes if you want. Uh, so, and then also uh, who wants to be a millionaire was really big on TV at the time. So we incorporated those like lifelines. You guys remember that show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With like, uh, with, with uh, my boy Regis, Regis yeah, the God, with, with, yeah, Regis, Regis the God. Okay, right, right. So we incorporated his lifelines when we and and again, this is like us packed into like a Honda Civic driving for two hours to go skate something. So we incorporated those. So the the lifelines where you could phone a friend or you could do fifty fifty, and fifty fifty only works if it's multiple choice, right? But um, but the phone a friend we we used for we've been using for 20 years now like pretty much like if you can't come up with it all right you get you got two minutes you get you got to get one homie on the phone and you can ask them and it's got to be on speakerphone it's always funny it's like it like the whole car is like dying laughing the person you call has no idea what the hell is going on like it's super funny so we we incorporated those and that was really fun but there, there really is there's no point system we uh, in the game, the one, the two suggestions I give is for I said, th- there is no like way to win, but that doesn't mean that, th- that there, there could be a reward. For instance, you get five in a row correct, you could get free grip at the shop, or you get like five wrong in a row and you got to clean the car at the next gas up. So, you know, we, we they're basically like skaters could use them as like betting material. Or you just play it, you know, you just, you just ask your, your friends and see what they can get and what they can. Yeah, that's tight. It's uh, flexible. You can do it as 
drinking game type of thing. You can do it like in the van to kill time, like you said. You can use it as trivial pursuit cars, tons of different yeah, ways you can get. Totally. And, and and that's that's how skateboarders are gonna do it anyways. Like the more I try I actually try to write rules a few times. And I was like, skateboarders aren't gonna do any of this. Like they're never gonna read this. They're just gonna say, Give me the cards. I wanna see how many I can get. You know, I was like, all right, let's let's just give them what they want. So do the questions span like a certain window of skate history or is it all across written skate history? Because I imagine there might be some young folks who'd be like, I don't know any of this shit. Right. Well, v- I'll tell you right now, like V1 skews way older because I started working on the game so long ago that I just took 250 questions. But after V1, moving into V2, I'm aging it way, way down, like way down. So and yes, it does. Like the idea was that it doesn't matter if there's like young kids or older dudes all playing in the same car or, or in the same group. So you, like you may get like the Tex Gibson one when the other one, the other kid is like, or a younger kid's going to be like, oh, that was Frost for sure. And the older guy's like, who the hell's Frost? Right. So it's like it, that was just uh, that was definitely intentional. Uh, and a few people have been like, oh, this is tight. You could come out with an all 90s version or an all 80s version. But it's like, nobody's going to play that if you're with your buddy that's like, clearly he knows everything about the 90s. So it, it's always been intentional to just always mix it all up. The oldest questions I have are, are probably from the early 70s, I think, or maybe the late 60s even, because there's a couple of things I found out about the Hobie team that are just really, they're actually really good. And I was like, look, I got to include this because it's, it's just too good. Oh, you got to give us an example. Okay, so, so the Hobie skateboard team did uh, a halftime show at San Diego Chargers game. on um, It was on Thanksgiving Day in the 60s. And, and like, if you know anything about the NFL, like the Thanksgiving Day games are huge. And this is like a skateboard team that gave like a halftime show at an NFL game. So I was like, look, I got to use this. Like that's trivia gold. Now it's really hard. So, so that one's multiple choice. And so there's some that are like really old. I mean, like way before my time, I started skating in 1988. So it's like way before me. But then recently I've been working with a couple of close friends of mine that are like just mega nerds that like have their finger on the pulse of like today's skateboarding. They're work like I, I mean I'm able to write some, but like they're able to come up with ones that are really really good that are super current. Uh, like I mean things that go all the way up until like even just this year. So I mean that's just a free idea for the NFL. If they ever hit a wall with a halftime show, all they got to do just call up Tony Hawk. I think that would go over well. Like a cool band, a half pipe right in the middle of the fifty yard line, pyrotechnics, cool lights. Tony knows how to put on a show gonna, for sure. Yeah, they're going to say, "How much money are you going to pay me?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to be easier than what the next year's is going to be. Like Dre, Snoop, Mary J. Blige. Yeah, or a little uh, mini ramp, or a little street, little street setup would be tight. Sick. <laughs> really little pull, little, pull like out a little box. Janks. Yeah, box <laughs> like a, like an old filing cabinet. Oh my god! Can you imagine that ninety thousand like people in a stadium bank. with a <laughs> with a PA system blasting Wu Tang and a bunch of uh, a bunch of skaters skating a curb or a filing cabinet? Just one dude trying switch back tails for the entire halftime. Switch so. back tails, like <laughs> these. Do these guys ever land anything? I'll tell you. You ever gonna land anything? <laughs> that that's a that's some awesome trivia right there. So. And then, Gordon, like back to like kind of the origins of this, uh, what made you decide to make the move to open up your own design studio and do things yourself and be able to dedicate time to this passion project? Oh, man. So I actually made the decision before COVID hit and then COVID hit. So, you know, and, and I was working for this tech company that was owned by United Healthcare. So I had, I had a good check. I had a good deal. But I just the work just wasn't there. I mean, it was it was so boring i could I, I i couldn't do it anymore and the people a few of the people i work with they they could tell you know like i and i started taking on a lot of side projects a lot of passion projects that i was doing on the side anyways but i i i just really needed a change um i had worked as a full-time designer for at that point about eight years kind of bounced around a little bit 
And I started, since I was doing passion project on the side, I started to pick up a couple of clients and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go all in and I'm going to take on these clients. I'm going to work full time for them. I got enough in the bank right now where like, I'm not terrified, you know, if it totally hit the fan and I, I can probably float myself for about six months unpaid it, it, at worst case. But luckily I was able to acquire uh, a few clients right out the gates and a couple of good projects. And then I built a solid freelancer list. And then now we are in uh, a 800 square foot office here in Alameda with me and two designers in-house. And then I've got art directors, photographers, and uh, copywriters that I pull in from project to project. So we're able to maintain a solid workload uh, with, uh, with our clients. And then I teach a design class at uh, SF State. So, and I just teach, I just teach one class a semester. So I, I still have a steady check coming in from SF State. And then I got design clients. And then I also am uh, launching the trivia game. Hell yeah. Staying busy. You, you, you got to, you got to have multiple angles. Yeah, exactly. And how much time do you have uh, to skate and to just kind of like be in the mix of just skateboarding without working on the game or thinking about, thinking about all of these other responsibilities you got? Yeah, so my son is six, and he's starting to really get, like, he's he's really psyched on skating. So when we go skate, we typically go to a uh, just a parking lot, and we just push around, and we hit some curbs. Um, but we just last weekend linked up uh, with my buddy Benny and my buddy Josh, and they actually showed me this really amazing ledge spot that's here that I live on this island, and I didn't even know it was there. And uh, so now there's this like really sick ledge spot that's like right around the corner. So we're going to start hitting that. Um, but yeah, when I go skate, pretty much it, it, it's normally like I get to skate one of the weekend days where I can actually go and like skate something and do tricks. I'm not just like trying to like push to the storm back. And just for the listeners, Gordon is a stone cold ripper who was sponsored by Creature. Did you ride for Consolidated? I did for like three years. Yeah, wrote, so Gordon Rips. But I got to tell you, I was a lot younger then. I got it. There was a, there was definitely some consolidated fans in my little corner of suburban New York, um, especially like "Don't Do It" era. You know, thinking thinking about that period, like where broadband was still not quite available in most people's homes, and a lot of what was available for skateboarding was like either by catalog or in shops, and even that could change relatively quickly. Like thinking back on a consolidated. Do you feel like that their humor would, would still float in 2021? I feel like they're kind of like very biting criticism of uh, like the creeping corporatization of skating. Feels like it would, it would hit more now. You know, I don't know. It's like when they first started, like first, first started when they, they it was, they broke away from, from, uh, uh, Berto worked at NHS, uh, which is like Santa Cruz and Creature and, and Speed Wheels. Uh, and they, a few of the writers came from SMA, being Alan Peterson, and then they convinced Jason Jesse to leave Santa Cruz, and all of them. That's when they started consolidated. And I want to say it's the first ad or one of the first ads, but it's the ad just says, "What if you started a skateboard company with some of your best friends?" And like that was their first ad, which it like it was really it was just really cool when it first started, and they were just like, "We just want to do whatever we want to do." But then, yeah, Berto got like real political and he, you know, he, yeah, he, he, but he's, if you've ever met him, if, if you know him, like I'd, I, he'll never change. Like Berto is who he is. He's really, really funny. He's actually a really, really awesome guy. And when I wrote for the company, the company was run by Berto and Letitia and uh, um, uh, Jason Jesse was around when I was on flow, but then I flew out to California and he dipped and he just disappeared. And that's when he left to start, I think, Auto Modown. And, uh, but the, the, that's, when, that's the first time I met the other team riders. And everybody, I mean, they were all cool, you know, but I was just like this, like this kind of this lone kid from Maryland. And, and I was talking to Jason Jesse when I first got on, so none of them knew who I was. Uh, I, I was just this dude that just showed up one day and they didn't even know I was getting boards. Um, but then they were like, yeah, let's just like just start skating. And they just kept pulling me boards. And then and I ended up skating for the company for a couple of years. It, it ended up being really good. Uh, their humor has gone through some like a lot of different things like because when Todd was doing graphics versus when Berto was kind of like art directing more after Todd left like the the humor just it, it it's 
it really changed from era to era, depending on who was working there. I think I'm, I'm thinking like mostly like that sweet spot of the uh, the don't do it era. Um, but again, like I have at least then I, I never saw never saw Consolidated, never saw Creature, never saw Scarecrow. Saw a bunch of the videos, um, but like in terms of like boards, like never saw them. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There uh, in in the area where I was. Um, yeah, I can't really remember. Like, I mean, a lot of Maryland was really run by like what the distributors were carrying. And there's, there was Atlantic and Eastern. So if Atlantic and or Eastern carried it, like the, you'd kind of see it at the shops. Um, but, you know, since it was, you know, 3000 miles away, not a lot of people were ordering direct uh, back then. Not, I mean, not that I know of, I don't really know a lot of the politics from when I was a kid, but um, yeah, you, you, you didn't really see them around much. I honestly, I sent them a sponsor me tape. When I was in, I was in college. I was in college when I sent them a sponsor me tape, and it was like a VHS tape. Like I mailed them a VHS tape, and and uh, and Jason, I got Jason Jesse on the phone, and all he just wanted to talk about music. We ended up talking about Fugazi and like Bad Brains for like twenty minutes, and then he was like, "What's your address? I'm gonna send you stuff." And he just sent me stuff for like a year. <laughs> so yeah. He, he was just, you know, definitely at the time, he was just down for whatever. Like, he was just having fun. Well, speaking of starting a new board brand with your friends, the rollout has been slow, but Bill Strobeck's Violet seems to be here, or almost here. The boards aren't out yet, but the brand narrative is starting to take shape. Jason, how's this brand narrative feeling to you? Hard to tell at the moment. Um, gotta wait for a video. Videos are usually how new board brands kind of craft their narrative. But right now, it's kind of like fucking awesome the next generation, you know, trying to pretty sure. Well, here's the thing. It's still unsure whether the new company, Violet or It's Violet. I think the trademark is It's Violet, but they call it Violet or whatever. It's unclear whether it's under the auspices of fucking awesome FA World Entertainment or Supreme, right? Those are two possibilities. Based on two shops today. And asked, asked oh. them what they knew about it, and neither of them knew anything more than what's been public. You know, they they both have FA accounts, and their reps have not reached out. So interesting, yeah, because there's no address, no phone number, not even a fax number on the ad and the new Thrasher. So, but based on some of the board shapes that have been on Instagram and shit, with the really like squarish nose and tail, it looks like. FA boards, which would be PS sticks. So for the sake of argument, let's say that it's looking like it's going to be under the auspices of uh, fucking awesome. So what are the facts here? A team, we know the team. It's a seven strong ripper. You might know him from Strobeck productions like stallion or this one video untitled by this guy, Michael Nicholas came out like a year ago. A bunch of these dudes are in that video. Actually, Troy, Troy Gibson, probably everyone's favorite on the squad. Chris Brown, Good Chris Brown, not yeah, <laughs> not the Chris Brown we don't like. Not the Chris, not Chris Brown from uh, right here in Virginia, from uh, Tappahan. Actually, hell yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, Chris Brown with a K, um, Philly head. He had two parts like at the same damn time, like seven months ago. This kid Patrick O'Mara again, he's in that Untitled video. Kyle Ted, same. This one dude Auguste Buznad from France. I'm guessing he's from France. Supreme Paris connection or something. And this one kid. Uh, Efron Danzig. Only seen him on Strobeck's Instagram. That's a that's a badass name. Yeah, strong name. Yeah, Yeah, there are a lot of good skater names, and that's a pretty good one. Yeah, Seven Strong, also very good skater name. Oh hell yeah. Very good skater. Um I guess there's just something about this rollout that feels weird, and it also begs the question from an environmental standpoint, from a supply chain perspective given the last year and a half with covid does skateboarding need another hard goods brand seriously i i think it's fine i think um you know there's only a there's a certain pie of skateboarding you know like uh, only a certain number of boards are going to get bought every year so they're just taking market share from everybody else and i kind of think new new brands are cool and good and old brands are kind of like they kind of been around too long. So I'd, I'm happy for Violet and I'd be happy for some other legacy brand to, to go away or fade away. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy for new hard good brands. 
So Gordon, what's your take on this, given your history with the industry? Like, is this, is this a good idea for Strobik? Like Strobik, you know, he ha he's, ha he's been in his window in terms of the videos that he's put out, the projects that he's done. And it feels like this is, not to say that he won't continue to have a long and interesting creative career, but it feels like this, he might be coming to the end of his window because skate trends change. Like the moment we're in now is going to be over at some point. And the work that he's done will be viewed as maybe not passe, but just not, people won't be paying as much attention to it. Is, is it a good idea? I think it is. Like, I think all of us have dreamt about owning our own board brand and like, what would we call it? What would we do with it? I also know a lot of people that were not getting any younger and being in the van and doing the grind and out filming, shooting photos. I mean, some people are timeless and I don't think they're ever going to stop shooting photos or, or filming. Filming taxes your body. So for sure, like, I mean, you got to have another plan eventually, I would think. And uh, I, I think a board brand is, is sick. And he definitely, I don't know him personally. I've never met, I never met the guy, but uh, he, I'm, he absolutely has the connections to make it work. I mean, the fact that you are all trying to even figure out who he's possibly working with to put this out and him, them not being upfront about the information and kind of letting you kind of like simmer and think about it, man, he's onto something. That is, that's something that, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You can say that. But um, going back to what Tumblr was saying before about the pie, it's yeah, it's a zero sum game. The Harvard's marketing way. And especially in this niche, the cool guy or, or whatever you want to call it, niche is really a zero sum game because there's only a few brands that people in that niche really fuck with like fucking awesome hockey force, maybe polar carpet, some other shit. But if you think about it, if you're Dill, remember he's like the, the mastermind or whatever generation skating is like about eight to 10 years, right? Like the first group, like knacking them, it's been about eight years since they blew up. Right. So he's thinking like, I got to get some new kids in here for the next generation. You know what I mean? So from that perspective, it kind of makes sense from a talent management perspective. Again, that's assuming that it is under the auspices of uh, FA and their distribution. That's kind of interesting because typically a brand just adds new riders to an existing company. But I'm thinking about FA and hockey and it doesn't seem like they have like a next generation being, uh, you know, groomed to come up. And I, I feel like that's kind of like how Girl has been where like, they they were like too solid with their initial crew and adding new people just made the brand feel weird like do you think that fa is just going to stay with these the core original founding members and then it's violet is just like the evolution of the brand or something like kind of a new concept i think it's the same thing that happens to a lot of other companies i mean going back to the world era is going to happen to fa and hockey people are going to move on or they're going to start their own thing it's just the the way things happen. Actually, spitting it back to trivia, uh, Gordon, in your research in creating the game, um, thinking back at all the team changes, all the lineup changes, is there any company or companies that you've seen over decades of skating that have consistently, like, they've kept the lineup fresh? Every generation or most generations have been good. Cons that type of consistency is hard, and even sports teams can't maintain it, uh, and definitely not skate teams. Like, is there any company or suite of companies that's been able to hold it down consistently, bringing up a new generation, just making us like, damn, when are they ever going to fall off? Yeah, I mean, first one that comes to mind is Toy Machine, because if you, like, I don't know if you've ever even seen the first Toy Machine video, but it is, it, it's Jerry Fowler and Ethan Fowler. And, well, I mean, like, it is, it is night and day versus, like, the heavy metal video versus... And then you go to Welcome to Hell, it changes that like it's it's not a big, big difference, like as far as stylistically, but but then jump off a building, you got a completely different team. I don't think there's any, but maybe, maybe BA is in that. I can't remember. Oh, building? Yeah. Yeah. So so okay, so so but pretty much it's heavy turn over uh, from the first video to to their third video to the fourth video, and then when they put out I saw a vaccine when it, when they first came out and it's, I don't, I think Leo is the only one that I recognize maybe, but in the time of which, when they came out, they were so good. And then say, I, I mean, and talking specifically board brands, 
me see. I'm trying to think of another one that has like consistently just like through the years put out like or that they've just the team is turned over and they've 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 been able to hold it together. I feel like Alien has done a pretty good job of that. You know, like their their brand is so strong they can like switch people in and out and it's not um not so jarring. Yeah, because because there's like a style that kind of came with it. Like there's somebody that like, oh, he fits with Alien, you know. Like, right. And uh, and and you know, same with Toy, and same with a lot of them. Foundation, San Francisco brand, like like Deluxe or in all Deluxe teams, they they really like the 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 people that stay on them. They they really have longevity. You know, you think about like Huff was on Real forever uh Boosnitz on forever i don't think i don't know if he ever had another board sponsor um i mean they have heavy turnover but they always have those like rocks that have been there for a long time oh yeah real yeah real 100 percent. and like mm-hmm. they they keep bringing kids up like that jack olsen kid whoever um mm-hmm. zion yeah zion like i shot forget about it you know skater of the year every year so yeah, I mean they've definitely brought kids. They definitely have like a farm system. Yeah, they do. But but they also cut people once they know that they don't like you don't fit or it's not working out. Like you get your walking papers pretty quick. They they kicked the dude off the team because he ironed his t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> they did. But he brought an iron with him on tour, and they were like, "What are you doing?" They like they kicked them off when they were in Colorado. Is that Dang, a that's cool. game? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they did. I think his name was Curtis. Well, there was a whole article on it. There was a one-page article on it um, in, in Skateboarder Magazine. And uh, uh, Jason Ferris was like, he was like, dude, this kid, he's got to go. <laughs> Actually, so Jim is somebody I met with very early on with the uh, trivia game. And when I was trying to make it an app. And he was very interested in the, the idea behind it and everything. And he went so far as, so there's five people who helped me that early on that they, they actually reviewed over 200 questions each to validate them. And it was part of, it was, it was a twofold. It was part of like, hey, I actually have the content and could you tell me if it's right or wrong? And, and do you have any feedback for me? And I selected five people and it was Jim Thibault, Lance Mountain, Aaron Menzo, Bryce Knights and Mark Whiteley and all of them did it. And, uh, and yeah, Jim reviewed like over, it was definitely over 180 questions, which is crazy. Cause I would never do that now. Like now <laughs> when I send people questions, I send them maybe two and right. sometimes they get, they get back to me about one, <laughs> but those dudes like, and, and it's crazy. Like I, so to get Lance mountain to review questions, I sent them to Whiteley and Whiteley emailed them. And then Lance got back to Whiteley and Whiteley got back to me. And, uh, so he marked up a PDF with like notes and he marked it up with notes. Like he made some of the questions way harder. And I was <laughs> like, dude, Lance Mountain is the best, dude. dude that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a QA team because dude, um, it was amazing. Yeah, no shit, damn. I went to one of those trivia nights a few years back with a bunch of buddies on one of my group chats. Shout out. I like skateboarding. And we went to uh, that bar black in Hollywood and we figured, okay, we, 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 we have a decent amount of knowledge between us. Uh, we came in six out of, I think, of 10 or 11 teams. The winners, Aaron Mazer was on that team. And, like, they bodied it. It was, like, it was terrifying. I remember running up to him afterwards and be like, dog, I mean, I know you guys are all industry. But how do you know so much? Like, it got, like, the, the challenge questions were impossible. I mean, I think they got a near-perfect score, so... You yeah, picked so you picked a great one. Yeah, he he. I mean, he was the. I, I believe he's the editor in chief of Skateboarder Magazine. Yeah, that's what I was um, going to say. Like, you can't you can't get that position without being a full on skater. Yeah, plus he like grew up like an EMB rat. Like, dude, he was like he saw it, and then he like saw it on the street, and then he went into the industry and saw it in the industry. Like that dude, he know, like yeah, he knows. And uh, so I actually reconnected with him. So I mailed him a copy. I, I actually out of the original list because um, it's it's grown since then of like fact checkers. But uh, um, actually, Jim, you, you need a copy, buddy. I, I got you. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it, it, and that's really where it started. It was it was at that point when I was like, okay, like 
I'm getting so much good stuff. Like, I don't care that this was ever published. Like I have like, like Lance told was like, gave us, gave me notes about stuff about the day. Like I was like this trick, is it called this? And then he told me when it was invented, who did it and like what was going on on the ramp at the time. Like, like he, like, I think he, maybe he was the only sober one back then, but he was like, his memory was like so good. He gave me like these detailed notes. Um, and I was like, look, I'm, I'm using this. I'm going to find a way, whatever. And then, you know, of course that, that makes that question really hard, but after you read it now, now the knowledge is out there. Now, you know it, you know, it's kind of a, a lot of these questions. I mean, they're not really important enough to even be mentioned in a skateboard magazine or even book nowadays, but they're perfect for a single trivia question. So it's just another way to get it out there. Yeah. It's yeah. So <laughs> back to, uh, back to Violet for a second, Patrick, you mentioned, <laughs> A kind of grunge nostalgia vibe with the art direction there what uh what made you think think of that because in the last few edits and videos that strobeck's done he's had smashing pumpkins alice right. in chains um obviously hole for which this project right, yeah. is being named after Song. and i don't know like i have really mixed feelings about that era because i mean that's when i learned how to play guitar as uh, a junior high kid and you know, so all of those songs are burned in my brain, but I don't know, like, I'm, it's kind of gross, like, the 90s and nostalgia, like, I don't love it, um, especially stuff that's, like, that's pretty mainstream, like, that's not even, like, cool 120 minutes, that's alternative nation, you know, 90s nostalgia, which is nowhere nearly as fun. I don't know, what do y'all think, like, in terms of, like, music selection and aesthetic of this project that he's, he's coming through with? Yeah, I, uh, I gotta tell you, I fuck with the music, because... You know, I fucked with Alice in Chains back then. I still listen to Alice in Chains, Jerry Cantrell solo on the reg. But the the visuals, I don't know, dude. It's kind of mid. Like that one logo with where it says it's violet in the dialogue bubble and it's like airbrushed. That's kind of mid. I saw one sticker, not like the sticker that just says violet. It was like, how do I explain it? It was like a skeleton, like an old lady skeleton with spires and shit. And there was, she was, uh, how do I say it? She was like giving birth to spiders. Like it's really weird. It's like some shit that like a uh, like a high schooler or middle schooler would draw on their binders on. Yeah, so, there, there's something about it, like it just doesn't hit. Like I don't know. I mean, you almost wonder like what if he just came out with a cool sticker first? That, that's probably a much more organic way to start spreading word about a new project because we love stickers. I don't know. I, I think the rollout's been pretty amazing. I mean, we're we're talking about it right now, and I think Violet like Frog is not for me. And like, you know, I'll probably never buy a Violet product. I've never bought an FA product. I don't think I've ever even bought a Polar product. So like those, those companies are like not for me, like their products are not for me, but like the video output is most certainly for me. And I, I just think like as an old head, you got to kind of just like step out of the way and be like, that, this, is, this is like what the next generation is about. Strobeck is an old head too. He's older than us. Yeah, that that's a great point. That Strobeck is an old head, but I think that he's it's a this is his time. Like he's he's making a brand in this time. So I don't know. Yeah, he seems like he's got his finger on the pulse. Like he's in the street. Yeah, it's current. Yeah, it's written, definitely hashtag current with the art direction, skaters and shit yeah. for sure. So the whole, like, silver tab jeans and like dirty Air Force Ones. No, thank you. But he's got a track record, you know, like he kind of discovered all those FA kids and like, was it Cherry that, that featured all those guys like for the first time? Like Pretty Tyshawn. much, I think so. Yeah. yeah, so like that, like he's the one that made those guys superstars. All the shit that he's done with Supreme is pretty amazing. So like the dude's got an eye for talent. He's got an eye for creating drama and interest and all that shit. So like, I'm interested to see what he does with a skate brand. And super interested to see what the video is going to look like. Like, is I mean, it going to just look like a Supreme video? Or is it going to be, like, is a Violet video going to be something new and different? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, delegating at all. Well, they're, they're looking to hire somebody to make tech packs, which I thought was pretty funny. And also might speak to, um, maybe they don't have the backing of Supreme or FA if they need a designer to do tech packs for them. What's a tech pack for us late people? Gordon, you want to take mm -hmm. this one? <laughs> I don't know what a tech pack is. Oh, I figured the designer would know. Tech pack is basically like you draw up the shoe or the product or whatever and color it up and you say like, you know, it's Pantone 
785 and you know whatever like list out all the specific materials and everything like that so it's just like okay you know a line drawing with all the details and all the like product details and stuff like that oh yeah yeah, yeah. i know yeah. i've seen those like for nike yeah. shit like yeah. not physical product design yeah it's like, not like physical product design shirts, like meaning like uh yeah for like shirts and clothing and things like that yeah exactly yeah, yeah so it's yeah, not yeah. like a graphic designer you know moving text around it's like you know saying this shirt needs to be however wide and this neck needs to look like this or that i never i i mean i actually make those and i i, I never called them tech packs uh i i call them like spec sheets or specs uh but uh but yeah i mean i'm, I'm gonna start using that how much are they paying i don't know probably like Couple boards and a shirt or something. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Skate industry, after all, it, it's a skate industry for sure. Yeah, you get some shirts. But um, yeah, back to the the old head topic. Like a couple of things there. I think with fucking awesome. I think like if you're an old world industries kid, you kind of identify with Dill and Abe in that respect. I think a lot of older, you know, delusional street skaters fuck with FA and hockey. Like I do. Yeah, if I think that's true. Yeah, if full disclosure, like I'm skating a hockey board right now, but um. And yeah, I mean, world Bill is you know definitely in that age range too. Like he's definitely like a questionable era kid, you know, like world industry kid. And interestingly enough, like the I don't know if the brand is officially called It's Violet or just Violet again. But if you look at the second Plan B ad, the first one had all the names and it said you know five out of these twelve skaters are going to leave their sponsors and start a company. The second one had a bunch of them crossed out and just you know. Mike Carroll, Danny Way, Sean Sheffy remaining. At the bottom, it said, it's called Plan B. Not it's Plan B, but it's called Plan B. So maybe that's a little nod there. I don't know. I don't know if that's a reach or what, but, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just throwbacks, you know, chance to, you know, be a Mike T, like be a filmer, brand manager type of thing. So, Damn. who yeah, knows? Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, that was Ternansky's role, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And same thing. He, had, he, he knew how to work a camera. He had a good eye for talent. And really, he knew how to motivate. Like everything oh, I've dude. ever heard about Mike Tenancy is like, basically if Mike took you to it and he asked you to do it, there was no, there was like, we're not leaving until I do this. Yeah. So I mean, maybe it's his time to kind of be that kind of person, you know? So who knows? Step into that role. Yeah. And definitely, definitely not interesting. Definitely not. Uh, I mean, Cherry, I mean, Cherry was a ground, not just groundbreaking. I mean, it was an era defining video. We're still living in its shadow now. I guess, honestly, it's, <laughs> I'm not, terribly keen on the name and this first ad kind of makes me feel like eh. purple is a good color though purple is the new black i hate purple <laughs> what you don't like yeah. outcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just i don't like park footage i don't like purple there's a lot of stuff i don't like and purple is one of them <laughs> i'm listening to the show and i'm learning more about you Tim. yeah yeah I, I reveal a lot about myself on the show but i've said this on the show before um Filmers make the make the best skate company like Brain Trust or whatever. You know, you got Weekend, Polar, Habitat, arguably Pal Peralta, right. Plan B. Like, I I think this this brand has legs for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think them like they're on the ground with them. They're in the van. They're on the streets. Like they really they they have the best finger on the pulse of what is going on in skateboarding versus the company owner that is you know not out in the street and i think any company owner would say that or they would agree with that they're like you know they're they're following along and they're doing their best but like if anything they want to talk to strobeck and be like yo what's up like what's been going on you know yeah exactly they're they're like the one mature like responsible person who's out there in the streets so that's the perfect perfect person to be making decisions on you know creative direction a good point and strobeck has definitely had a pretty wide variety of experience in the industry so i mean absolutely wishing him well just a little less alternative nation more 120 minutes please like the end remember like the last 20 minutes of 120 minutes they would show like really weird shit, like dead can dance or whatever hell yeah <laughs> i mean that's i mean hey if Dead Can Dance was good for Mike T, it's definitely going to be good for Strobeck. And there was two Dead Can Dance songs in Questionable. So shout out, shout. I mean, I think it was, I think it was Mike T who did most of the music supervision. Yeah, um, I think that's what uh, Jake Rosenberg said. Like he just had a big CD collection. Dang, like that's impressive. Like to go from Dead Can Dance to Primus, Maiden 
to bad brains and like weird kind of shitty era bad brains to all the hyro stuff i mean it's impressive um and hopefully strobeck can bring that kind of same energy um and be serious you know and have great skaters who have got their finger on the pulse who are on the cutting edge fashion wise in terms of their presence and everything it even feels like the skaters that uh they're slated to be on violet are a little less they're a little bit more remote than the kids who are on fa and hockey you know what i'm saying like they're less present you know in terms of social media yeah i think i think that's right but i think that you'd probably say that about tyshawn and nakel and whatnot you know in the cherry era oh that they're a little bit more mysterious a bit more remote yeah that they're they were like not on the radar necessarily i mean tyshawn was getting flow from toy machine but um and nakel was like getting flow from real i thought he was going to end up on real maybe i'm all wet on that one but um I don't know. That would have been. It. Can you imagine if uh, if Tyshawn had stayed on Toy Machine? No, I think you're right. He was getting. He was on that program. Pretty sure. Real. Yeah. Put that in the next um, next skate trivia edition. Dude, I'm in here taking notes. <laughs> I'd be stoked if something we said on the podcast ended up in the next edition of Skate Trivia. Which brings us to the end of our show, where we talk about what we're stoked on. Gordon, what are you stoked on this week? I'm stoked on. Well, just this week or last week, I'm stoked on trick-or-treating with my son and my girlfriend because it was so much fun. I don't know the last time you went trick-or-treating, but when you have a six-year-old, it is fun. It is like we were we were out for three hours. Uh, and then... Uh, How big uh, was the haul? Dude, we came back with like be- somewhere between seven or eight pounds. Damn. How much was your uh, cut? Uh, we... we, we, uh, we I don't want to say argue. We talk about it every day. <laughs> we we talk we talk about it every day. I'm like, well, you know, and and even though it's like quote unquote his candy, like he only gets you know so many pieces a day. He's got to finish the dinner. It's a whole thing. But you don't take like a you didn't like take a cut off the top, like right off the rip. Oh no, I take my cut every day. I mean, <laughs> I'm like through the day, I'm like, okay, you get ten, I get five, you know, and then May we, we all live together. May's like, how many do you want, you know? <laughs> But uh, yeah, we, uh, we we parcel it out. I mean, there's dude. I mean, I'm not even joking. There's like eight pounds. So, so like we, we one got for like, me, one uh, for you, dude. two yeah. for me. And every everybody's giving out the snack size. Uh, it was a haul. Dude. It was like so tight. And then uh, uh, skating with my son. And then I've been I've been shooting 35 millimeter film again, which is like super super fun. Uh, working at the design studio. The, one of the projects that the design studio got the opportunity to work on is we designed Grant Britton's book and Grant Britton's book is just about to come out and he's never had one. This is his first book. So it hasn't, it's like weeks away from coming out. And I'm like, so juiced about that. So we're, I'm st- super stoked on that. Uh, and then we are just starting to work on a, like a side magazine project on the side too. So we're like super hyped on that. So we're, we, we're always going to have a passion project at the design studio as well as all, always juggling um, client work. But we, I, I want to always have something that we have full control over that we can like really do something fun with. But uh, that's what I'm stoked on. Sick. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Stoked on a hard goods brand out of San Francisco, California called Venture Trucks. The NBA is back and my Washington Wizards won in double overtime. Over the Boston Celtics uh, last Saturday night, October 30th. Haven't won since, but that was a tight, uh, super exciting game. Stoked on one minute of footage that PJ Ladd dropped on Instagram just to remind you what his name is. I'm Patrick John Ladd. And stoked on a little video out of Finland called FPC21 by this, I think they're a clothing brand from Finland called Few Pounds Company. If you're into Eurotech and Eurotech spot porn, it's a pretty interesting watch. Definitely some spots that I haven't seen before. Finland, who knew? Patrick, what are you stoked on this week? I am stoked on Spitfire wheels. I'm stoked on this uh, corduroy uh, Spitfire hat. I'm really, really pumped on it, especially because it's been chilly in L.A., believe it or not. Unseasonably What so. is it, like 55 degrees? <laughs> on the overnight when it's dry? Hey, like I'm taking any excuse to rock outerwear. While I'm out here, let me tell you that. Um, I got my booster today, so hyped about that. Very hyped to go home for the holidays for the first time since 2019. Um, I got LASIK last week, so I'm officially off team glasses. In fact, as we're recording this, 
podcast, I am wearing some wraparound sunglasses. I feel like Bono, they're ridiculous, but um, it's actually very helpful for looking at a computer screen and having this, um, uh, you know, as I adjust. But it's so far so good. I think I should be cleared to skate in a couple of weeks. Um, also excited to get back into the pool. Uh, I'm next week. I'm going to be participating in the, the bridge run for the Harold Hunter Foundation. Um, except I won't be running. I'll be skating from Santa Monica to Venice and back, or Venice to Santa Monica. Um, we'll have a link in the show notes. I'm really excited to do it, um, and I don't count that as skating because I'll just be riding on uh, riding on a cruiser, riding on a zip singer. Um, I'm talking about. I'm looking forward to getting back to skating, skating, going and sessioning um, a spot, maybe like a, a good curb or something like that. Templeton, what are you stoked on? Uh, like Gordon, I'm stoked on Halloween candy, specifically the Take 5 candy bar, which I think is kind of an underrated candy bar. And also, I'd like never buy it like off-season. It just shows up on Halloween, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is fucking good. Is that um, the one that's it's kind of like a variation of the Reese's Pieces? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like Reese's peanut butter, chocolate, right. caramel, and then there's like a pretzel in the middle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It's in the it's in the Reese's family of uh, candy products. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another one. That's, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Go go cop the take five if you can get one. Also stoked on the Suchu Gazelles. They showed up last week. They feel really good. I learned frontside crooked grinds in them. They three sixty flip really well. So go go get a pair if you if you need some kicks. And then finally, I'm stoked on getting some work gossip today. Uh, hung out with some coworkers today on a photo shoot and. Um, yeah, it's an interesting conversation and glad to know that um, others feel the same about changes happening at the office. So that's fun. Uh, and that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Patrick, where can the people find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter under the handle at Colonel K Speaks, or you can find me on Instagram at pkigongo. Also find me on Clubhouse at Pikagongo. I think maybe we should use Clubhouse to have the Great Pants Seminar. Like, just an open forum discussion about skate pants. Maybe we should consider that. Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces? Twitter kind of Spaces think, might, be, might be better. I kind of think Twitter Spaces has more juice right now. And also because everybody on Skate Twitter is already on Twitter anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. boom. Actually, okay. So, something to think about. Gordon, where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find out more about the game at skatetriviagame.com. Uh, there is an Instagram handle, which is at skatetriviagame. And you can find me at platagain.com. And on Instagram, it's platagainco. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter, at carbonite1994. On Instagram, at frozencarbonite. And writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Temple and where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Mostly Skate and on Instagram at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Clear. Be safe though. And the sky was made of amethyst. And all the stars are just like little fish. You should learn when to go. You should learn how to say no Violent, more violent. Yeah, I'm the one.